The Stinkin' Truth Podcast is presented by Core Water. He spent 12 years in the NFL. You can't trust a guy that gyrates his hips after he scores. Has three Super Bowl rings, made multiple Pro Bowl appearances, over 16 years of broadcasting between ESPN and Fox Sports. And that's why I'm the greatest football player and best sports analyst ever. He's a soap opera star. That's pretty, uh... I can't remember what I was supposed to say. <laughs> Has a reoccurring role on HBO Ballers. Mark Slareth, handsome son bitch, get out here. And makes one hell of a bowl of green chili. It's Mark Slareth, and this is the Stinkin' Truth Podcast. Hey, welcome in to the Stinkin' Truth Podcast. Your host, Mark Slareth, alongside my co-host, Mike Evans. Scott DeHuff, the producer on the program. And um, I tell you what, we've been gone for a little while, but... Always like to thank our presenting sponsor, the fine folks over there at Core Water. Core Water, hydratewithcore.com. I'm telling you, you're going to love this water. Crisp, clean, award-winning taste. Um, and they balance the pH level at 7.4, which matches your body's natural pH. Great for working out. Great for hydrating. Got the big, gigantic uh, blue cap with a giant suck hole. You know, one of the things I like to do is you can mix your protein powder in there. If you're a protein powder type guy. You know, I'm freaking yoked, so uh, obviously I'm using a lot of protein powder. But you can mix it right in there and use it as your own kind of little mixing uh, mixing bottle. So Core Water, uh, available everywhere, like 7-Eleven and everywhere else that uh, that water is sold. That's Core Water. HydrateWithCore.com. Mike, how are you, my friend? I am. I missed you. I missed everybody uh, out there. As I, I was, You uh, were on vacation. I was on vacation. It was spring break for yes. my, my kids, and we decided to go. On our first ever cruise. Right. And we went big. We went Disney. I know. And your kids are a bit older, so yeah. it seems a little bit like, you know, kind of a, really? You went on a Disney cruise? Yeah, and your kids you, my, are like 16 and 12, 16 right? 16 and 12. We've, we've done Disneyland a few times, going back to when they were really young, and, and they were obviously caught up in the, the magic of Disney. So we were a little curious whether or not this age would work. No problem. I mean, I'm, I'm telling you, Disney... You guys are freaking geniuses. I mean, it, it doesn't matter how old you are. Mm-hmm. You get sucked into the magic of Disney. You feel like a kid again. I felt like a kid again. Right. And the other thing they do is they just make you so eager to spend money. You have no... any Anything else in life, you'd be, oh, you know, we got to have a budget. Here, right. it's like, here, have it. Have my money. Right. Come, please take it. I don't need it. You take it. So when you my, go be, on- My money's better off with you than it is with me. When you go on a Disney cruise, you actually kind of become your wife when it comes to spending money. Yes. Right? Yes. It grows on trees. Yes. Have it. Have it. I love it. Oh, that's going to cost 100 bucks back. No biggie. Right. I'll make more. That's right. I'll make more. I'll go into debt for crying out loud. I'll worry about when I get home. Right. They're great at doing that. It, no, it... They're amazing. And it was I've a always great wanted to cruise. go on a cruise. I've never gone on a cruise, but now that you talk about it, man, taking my granddaughters on a Disney cruise, like that might be. Oh, I know I know your ultimate. granddaughter your granddaughters would lose their minds. They'd be so happy. They'd be out of their heads with happiness. You would be I mean, you're already a hero to them, but right. Popo would be Big time, right? Po- Popo would would achieve mythical status, and because all the food is already, it's all inclusive on the cruise. If I was going to make my NFL comeback a week on the Disney cruise, <laughs> I'm ser- I seriously think I could get to 280. 
Like, I can get right back up. Oh, it's so easy. Yeah. Oh, the food, it's just, you, you just, even when you're not hungry, you're, you're sitting there and, you know, you'll see somebody walk by and you'll be like, hey, where'd you get that? Oh, yeah, that's that snack bar that's open over right. by that pool. And you go over and you're like, sure, I'll have a double cheeseburger with fries. Right. Two hours before I'm going to have a great dinner. dinner. But hey. Then you sit down at dinner, you're full. You're yeah. like, oh, my stomach, but I can't not eat. Right? I already paid for it. Exactly. <laughs> that is that. You know what? Disney Cruise is America. Right? That's awesome. Mark, it was such, you get sucked into it so much that I made a point every evening at 725 to be out on the rail watching the sunset. Really? Yes. You watch the sunset? I watched the sunset every day, and I loved it. Did you really? My screensaver on my phone is, is this... what? You're take, take a look at it right now. Okay. What do you see? Oh, I see the sunset. That's the sunset. Out in the middle of what? What Were you in the Caribbean? Or? Bahamas. Bahamas. The water's so blue. Mm. Look, I'm sorry to make this sound like an infomercial for Disney, but geez. It was awesome, They're huh? just rock stars. Did you... Uh, do a good job with sunscreen. I know you waxed your back before you went. I was we a little we worried about, about the that. first layer of defense being the hair on <laughs> that, your back. That's true. The first line of defense was no longer there. Right. So, but no, it was uh, no, I was very judicious, and I, I lathered I I, up. I lathered up. Good for you, I man. Lathered up. So sounds like a great time. Uh, a great a lot time. of things. A lot of things went down at NFL. Was, I, I was unplugged, but a few things did get through to me uh-huh. while I was there. And um, I was actually, um, I, I found a, a place, I was watching a little bit of college basketball, and across the crawl came Rob Gronkowski announcing retirement. Amazing. Is it, though? Were you were you surprised? Did you, did you think he... Would... Well, my understanding was he was at the facility rehabbing and working out, and he was working out hard, so there was, you know, there was a little bit of the feeling that he was going to come back for another year. Um... You know, I, I I'm always fascinated by people. We live in such a fantasy football directed world. You know, here in Denver, they signed Joe Flacco, and all I heard was, "Well, Joe Flacco hasn't thrown over 20 touchdown passes since uh, 2014," and blah. And I'm like, "Isn't that just such a, the, the typical football fan is driven by statistics? It's driven by fantasy numbers." I remember it in the playoffs last year. Everybody telling me, oh, Rob Gronkowski's lost his stuff. He only had one catch in that game. And I'm like, did you did you watch that game? Because he was absolutely dispensing justice on the end of the line of scrimmage blocking people. He was a reason that they were rushing the ball so well. He was killing people. Like, there's value in that. That's part of the game. And that's the part of the completeness of his game. Now, I understand he's taken a beating and he's had some injuries, you know, and he's a big body who, you know, who doesn't necessarily protect himself really well. And I get that part of it. But, Mike, if I was a gambling man, do I think Rob Gronkowski's career is over? Do I think he'll ever – do I think he'll never step on a football field again? I would say no. I, I, I would Are you say, predicting a Jason Witten-like comeback? comeback? Absolutely. Like, I don't even know if he'll be gone for a year. But I could definitely see him missing OTAs, missing training camp, you know, missing the first couple of weeks of the season. And, and come week six, he re-signs with New England, works out for a couple of weeks, and then by week eight, he's playing again. I mean, couldn't you see that? Actually, yeah. That like if if I was gonna if I was a gambling man said, okay, 
where might we see Rob Gronkowski? Like the likelihood of seeing Rob Gronkowski. I think some reality show, like some dating reality show or some Big Brother type of show. I think that's a you know, like that's a strong that that would get a strong you know vote contingent of of people would vote for that. Um, WWE. I think you could see him as a guy in in you know in WWE uh, whether he's actually wrestling or maybe he's a manager and he's a mouthpiece or whatever. Um maybe the John Cena type of role where he starts getting into these movies and and getting some small roles and ended up developing, you know, he became one of the lead characters in that Blockers movie. Like I could see maybe that kind of thing, but I think my number one vote for Gronk would be He's going to be back in the NFL at some point. Interesting. Interesting. Well, you know, if Jason Witten, who, you know, had a, a long-time gig as an announcer waiting for him, if he wanted it, mm-hmm. and he walked away from that because the pull of football was still so much. I, I could see a guy like Gronkowski who I, – I think Gronkowski loves football. I just think he's tired of playing it hurt all the time. Right. And if you're right, you know, once the season comes around, and you know that was, you guys as play, you guys as players, I, I, I got to imagine that for the first few years after you stopped playing, there were there were moments that came along where you're like, this doesn't feel right. I I, I need I, I should be out on a field right now. I should be hitting. I should be playing. I should be blocking. I should be doing. This doesn't feel right. Um, yeah, I think I think like. I was so beat up by the time I was done that I I just didn't want to you know I just couldn't really physically do it anymore I just was so you know broken even when you started to feel better I never really started to feel That's better true. Mike <laughs> That's um, true. so I was just so I was so beat I I think you know the thing that you get into is like I would always start feeling like Fourth of July. Mm-hmm. Fourth of July hits, you know, and it's like, okay, let's have fun on Fourth of July. And then it's like, ugh, it's over. Summer's over. Training camp is, you know, three weeks away. And you know, you and, and then it's just like you're you're a little bit of a grumpy, you know, and you don't want to really do anything and you're just like, Oh gosh, here we go, here we go, right? You gotta get your mindset right. So I, I think that's like I think that's part of of when I first retired, having July 4th and knowing that, hey man, I'm not going to camp, there was kind of some excitement there. But I still, you know, to this day, you still get that kind of knot in your stomach come that point of the season where, or that point of the year mm-hmm. where you're like, ugh, it's right around the corner. So do you That's think it was really the draw of football or the repel of uh, of being in the broadcast booth and it not going exactly <laughs> the way you want it? I, I did you ever get the sense that ESPN was going to fire him after one year? No. So I mean, he would have still had another year there at least to get better, and he probably would have gotten better. But he'd rather play football again. Yeah, I think I think it was more the pull of football, but I think there's some of it is like, hey man, this didn't go exactly the way I wanted it to go, and I wonder if Gronkowski. So to your point, maybe Gronkowski might realize the same thing. Yeah, I, I mean, I think so. I just like he's accomplished so much, and he's going to go down as one of, if not the best tight that end be that's ever question. played. Yeah, where does he rank? I mean, you played with a great one in Shannon Sharp. Uh huh. All right, uh, Tony Gonzalez. Sure. Um, but when 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 you so you're in, in your mind when you think of the greatest tight end that's ever played, mm-hmm. who is it? 
Oh, wow. Um, and the numbers for Gronk, by the way, 115 games, mm-hmm. 79 touchdowns in his 115 games. Even more impressive, 16 playoff games, 12 touchdown catches Right in the playoffs. Yeah. So that plus, this was a guy who this past playoff run really wasn't much of a volume pass catcher, but... The, the Patriots, who sort of reinvented themselves late in the season and became a real smash-mouth team, he was whooping ass along the line of scrimmage. Yeah, he was. I mean, he's a complete tight end. Yeah. So you know, is he the best? Yeah. See, here's here's the interesting. In today's game, and different organizations label them differently, but there's the prototypical why. That's your tight end, the why. And he's usually the in-line guy, line of scrimmage guy. You know, he's blocking the line of scrimmage. He's involved in pass pro. You know, in the passing game, you're running a combination on one side. You're running, you know, drag slant on one side. Or you're running, you know, some type of, um, you know, stick corner, some some type of route combination on the outside. And he's your, he's your Y-hook middle guy. You know, he's just finding a hole in the zone or whatever and hooking up over the ball as an outlet. That's your typical Y. Now, your typical H is um, the motion move tight end and the guy who really is a wide receiver in a bigger body. So that, to me, is kind of the direction the league has gone in. It's the Zach Ertz's of the world. It's the Travis Kelsey's of the world. It's the, you know, fill-in-the-blank guys. It was Shannon Sharp. Um, for the Broncos, it was, you know, it's the guy that you're going to spread out, you know, in the slot or outside the numbers and is going to dictate coverage. You know, you're going to know if it, if a safety goes out, if he goes outside the numbers and a safety follows him out there, you're in some type of man coverage. You know, if a corner lays up out there, you're in zone. And, and you know, so they're, they're those movement guys that really dictate coverage that helps the quarterback diagnose what a defense is doing and also – is a real nightmare from a coverage standpoint for for the opposing defense. Rob Gronkowski was the perfect mixture of the big-bodied Y who could block the end of the line of scrimmage, both front side and backside cutoff, who could motion across the formation, who could you know block in the wham game, who could be a lead blocker in ISO, he could line up in the backfield. He did everything. Jason Witten, by the way, has been that same guy. Jason Witten's a great blocker. But he's that guy that can essentially match up anywhere. And more so for Rob Gronkowski, he was outside the numbers, dictating coverage. Um, you put a corner on him, he was so big, he could just out-muscle the guy. You put a safety on him, he could still run by that guy and still be 6'7 and you know 260. Um, so in my mind, he was like he's the best that's ever done it because he's the most versatile that's ever done it, and he's been the most productive in crunch time situations, you know, scoring touchdowns in the red zone, big plays over the top, and especially come playoff time with the world championship. So uh, I think I would probably rank him hard to put him over Tony Gonzalez, but um, I look at the complete total package that was Rob Gronkowski and um, I'll put him as the best I think that's ever played. Well, then if that's true, then probably a first ballot Hall of Famer, which should make for one hell of a... Hall of Fame speech. Oh, yeah. It should would be great, right? (laughs) Thank you. Gronk is hungry. (laughs) Gronk need a drink. Thank you. (laughs) You know, the thing about Gronk, though, like, 
Gronk is dumb like a fox. Like yes. Gronk plays the role. Yeah. Like yeah. Gronk is a pretty intelligent dude. Yeah. He he hasn't spent any of the money he made as an NFL player. He lives completely off of endorsement money. Yep. Like Gronk is 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 pretty dialed in financially, and like he's a lot. He's a lot. He plays the role of caveman pretty well, but uh, he's kind of anything but. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, the other bit of news that came uh, through while we we're sailing the seven seas was the rule changes, and. It, it it was funny how the whole pass interference thing evolved. Now, right after the playoffs and during the playoffs, it was like, change it, change it, change right. it. I mean, this is an outrage, you know. Uh, the, the 25 million people that live in Louisiana yeah. didn't watch the Super Bowl. Because <laughs> right. <laughs> that's a joke, inside joke, folks, because I thought 25 million people lived in Louisiana, which was mm-hmm. not the case. But um, still, yeah, New Orleans, Louisiana boycotted the Super Bowl basically because of it. So it was a huge deal. Change it, change it, change it. Then it seemed like there was a sense of, you know, cooler heads are prevailing. And it didn't seem like the co- competition committee was going to do anything about it. Right. Instead, not only are they going to make pass interference calls reviewable, but even non PI calls right can be reviewed. A, a very for me, uh, this is one that I was completely wrong about because I I just didn't think they'd do anything. I think I I just figured they go, hey, you know, you guys love football, you'll be back. You know, there's some human error involved. I get it, and I just didn't think they'd do anything, Mike. I really didn't. So I was shocked when this news came down. I'll admit I was completely wrong on this one. Um. And you know, I I'm not quite sure. Like I am, I'm against. Like I've never, and you know this, I've never liked instant replay. I don't. I just. I think there's so many inconsistencies that are involved with instant replay, and I think that this could possibly open up Pandora's box. We we shall see. I have no idea how it's going to be. Like our officials basically now going to swallow their whistles and say, "Hey, we'll just let." We'll just let coaches challenge it if they want because you still only have your number of challenges. So here's the crazy thing. That play in the Super Bowl, that play in the Super Bowl now, because it was in the last two minutes, could be reversed. But what if that play happened at at two minutes and 15 seconds in the fourth quarter and you didn't have a challenge flag? You're not going to get it right. You know why? You don't have a challenge flag. It's not inside the first of the last two minutes, so it it doesn't necessarily, you know, it doesn't necessarily fix. I guess it could fix any egregious call or non-call at the very end of a game. So I guess you have that aspect of it, but you know, the NFL when you watch it, there's two different seasons that go on. There's the the there's the regular season, and then there's the the playoff season, and I actually like playoff football because it's real football. Like they swallow the whistle. Every little ticky tack touch is not a pass interference call. You know, I mean, at what point do we say then, okay, wait a minute, if you're going to open it up to that, then let's open it up to the quarterback hits and let's open it up to holding calls and let's open it up to, you know, because if it was up to coaches, is if it was up to coaches, you know, coaches don't do anything but coach, right? They're not worried about, hey, man, there's a special at Chili's. And it ends at seven, so let's get this game over with, so I can get there. You know, They're, coaches don't worry about that. So, 
a coach, given his own devices, he would like to challenge everything. Because ultimately, if the game lasts seven hours, he doesn't care. That's what he's there to do. And so I just get to the point where, like, are you going to eliminate the refs from, you know, any any tough call? They're not going to make the call. I mean, how many calls are actually going to get challenged? Because you still only have your three challenges, you know? And I just am shocked that they did it. I don't know how it's going to play out. I'm just not I'm just not a fan of, of instant replay. I, I just don't think it really works. Was it works. pass interference? What? Did, did the Rams player commit pass interference on the Saints receiver? Absolutely. And if it was called... Is that the Saints going to the Super Bowl instead of the Rams? Yes. Then you you, you have to have. It's I get what you're saying. It's not mm-hmm. perfect, but for that reason alone, that momentous, game changing, career defining mm-hmm. changing moment, you got to have the policy. Okay, you so got to have the mechanism I, in yeah. place to get it right. I see. I just come from a player's perspective. If Sean Payton calls three runs in a row, they yeah. win the game anyhow. Yeah. So I always, I, you know, it goes all the way back to being coached in college. And, but are you, you but if you, if you're a saints player and you're walking off the field, right. And you've just watched that non call. Are you able at that moment to sort of turn to another one of your teammates and rationalize it, saying, yeah, that was a BS call, but, man, we should have run the ball three times. No, you're caught up. At that moment, you're caught up in, like, we got screwed. Right. We should be We should be the ones yeah, that going game, to the ball. That game did go into overtime, and you had the ball and threw a pick. You know, you had, you had other opportunities to win that football game. I, I just, you know – I think like a player. There were plenty of there were plenty of fouls that weren't called. There was a face mask on the opposite side of the Saints that, you know, if what if that was reviewable? Like I am just I will and I will always be on the on the side of we there's always going to be error and we have to play in such a manner that one mistake doesn't cost us a game. We have to be that that's how good we have to be. So I just am a, a personal responsibility taker, you know? Yeah. I want to take personal responsibility. Like, I, I go back, first quarter, you had the ball in the red zone twice in the first quarter, and you came away with two field goals. That's on you. Like, I always kind of, I just look at it that way, so. But you can understand, though, why a coach, I, and especially the fan base. I get it. They're not going to be as level-headed about it as you players are. I, I get that. Aren't you, aren't you shocked, though, that they made the move? Are you shocked by it? I am surprised. Yeah. I thought once the initial emotion died down that it would have been, hey, look, these things happen. Sports history is full of blown calls. Mm -hmm. It actually is what adds to the – what makes sports so fascinating. Right. Is that years, decades later, you know, fan bases talk about, oh, do you remember that call? So I am surprised. I was was surprised. But – I, I guess I fall under the category of could it make games a, l- a little bit longer? I suppose, but if it means gain it right, and if it means my well, that, team—that's my I whole mean, thing. I mean, is... what's my what's my concern as a fan? Do I do I want to have a game go ten extra minutes and they get it right instead of it being over mm-hmm. on time and they don't get it right and my team loses? I get that. My my thing is they don't get it right. Like, okay, we want to get it right, but only if you have a challenge play. Because if you don't have a challenge play, we don't care about getting right. True. 
Like those, like the inconsistencies are what bother me more than anything Do else. Better, yeah, but come on. How many times have you seen we're watching along at home and we see a coach throw a challenge flag and we're like, what are you doing, dude? Right. I mean, you're, you're, you, you, we know you're not going to get that. Right. And or, we know you're wasting it. Or, yeah, or he throws a challenge flag and it's ultimately it's one yard. And you're like, come on, dude. Right. Like, don't waste your challenge flag right. there. Like, I, I get, How about you do a better job of deciding when to throw the challenge flag? Right. It'll be, in, it'll be interesting because, again, you only have the three challenges, right? So, yeah, but you don't lose them if you get them right. I, I get that. I get, get that. Right. But you still only have that, that number of challenges. So um, it'll be interesting to see how coaches use the rule, where they use the rule. Um, that, Should it be an easy call? Let's say you, but let, let's just say when you, you have the challenge flag, you've thrown it. Do you think it, like, like I watch college, I watched a lot of college basketball, pro basketball. I'll be honest with you. I can't tell you definitively what is a charge and what is a block. Right. All these years of watching hoops, I can't definitively tell you. Yeah. But can you, do you know what pass interference is and isn't? Um, no, I I know what it should and shouldn't be. Explain that. So, if I have my hands on you, so DBs call that being in phase. So I have a hand on you. I'm running with you, and I have a hand on you, and I and I have body presence. I feel you, and even if I'm pushing on you slightly, but it's not changing. It's not physically changing your direction because I shoved you like it may change your direction. So the reason that DBs do it, if you like, for instance, if you line up outside the numbers, okay, you're, you're wide and you're outside the numbers, a yard and a half outside the numbers, you know, the, really the only two routes you're running is a go or some type of comeback, you know? So one of the things that DBs try to do, they get inside leverage they line up inside to make sure you can't run a slant because you can run a, you know you could run some type of slant if you're running um, what they call in the West Coast offense lion, which would be all slants, right? Everybody, so your inside receiver runs a slant, your outside receiver runs a slant, so you run a double slants on on each side if you're in a two by two formation. So, so you know you're you're running slants. If I've got inside leverage, you you can't run a slant on me. So now what are your options? You know you got to go or you got to come back, right? So. Um, what DBs try to do is get that chuck inside leverage, and then they try to ride you, what they call in phase. Keep, keep their arm on you, not arm bar you, but just keep your arm on you, keep pressure on you, and use the sideline as an extra defender. Try to just get you from their body presence, not not shoving you, but from their body presence to widen your route. To get out, you know, to get a little bit further outside, so it gives the quarterback less opportunity to drop the ball in there because now you've been constricted and squeezed toward the sideline. All right, call being in phase. I don't have any issue with that. Now, if you shove the guy and he's stumbling, then yeah, that's a problem. But if you're just touching a guy and you're feeling for that guy and you're still turning and playing the ball and doing all those things, it shouldn't be a foul. It shouldn't be illegal. If I'm not significantly changing the mechanics of that guy's body, even if I have a little hand fighting going on, if I'm not changing the mechanics of his body, that should not be a foul. Sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't. Depends on the officiating crew and how they see it. You know, it's subjective that way. So 
Like, I know what it should be, and I know kind of what it shouldn't be, but, what you but it's just not des- called that way. But what you just described is something that not only you can see as an analyst, but it's something that is is coached, and it's something that defensive players are coached. It's something that receivers are coached to combat. Right. So it's an understood part of the game. So why can't that be standardized in a way in which – you know the officials; mm-hmm. they have that same understanding that, you know, we we all see what he's doing there, right? And it is within the rules. So even if somebody throws a challenge flag, all he was doing was keeping his guy in phase, and that's that's legal. Challenge um, declined or right. denied, it, it, which it should be, but everybody sees it differently. Mm-hmm. Everybody sees like, well, yeah, he's in phase, but he's impeding that guy's ability to get beyond him. Like, he didn't hook him, but he slowed him down enough to where that's impeding that guy's process or progress. So one official may see it that way. One official may see, yeah, he's in phase, but he's really leaning on the guy and really squeezing him or constricting him toward the sideline. And I I see that as impeding that guy's ability to run his route. But see, I get what you're saying, Stink, but I could argue and come back, haven't we been watching that same kind of subject subjectivity Absolutely. When it comes to what is a catch and what isn't a catch over the last several years. 100%. And, and you know what? And here's the deal. We don't know what a catch is and what a catch isn't. And guess what? There are times that in a, in a, a booth review that it's 100% like there's no question and they reverse it. It goes the opposite way. The same thing will be said for, for pass interference. There's going to be things that you're going to see that are like, oh, no question that's pass interference and it will be called no call or it will be called, nope, you, you didn't win the challenge. Like the inconsistencies from the New York office. And, um, but isn't it better to have some inconsistencies and have nothing at all than to have all of us at home, millions of us at home watching on TV saying, there's no way that was a catch. And, here, and yet that can't be here's, here's reviewed what, because okay. it could be I'm fine. some inconsistencies right. with it. I'm fine with the review process. I'm fine if it eliminates us every time there's a big play. What, as a fan, every time there's a big play, what do you do? I wait for the replay. But the first thing you do is you look to see if there's a little yellow flag yes. down the corner. Yes. First the, thing. The the spontaneous the, the, the spontaneous celebration has to be is held. gone for me. Right. As a football fan, because the first thing I, I do wait. as soon as I see like uh oh here it comes like I'm calling a game. I'm on Fox. I'm calling a game. Big throw over the top. Right. Big play. First thing I do is I'm like I'm I go back to look at like did anybody hit the quarterback? Is it, where's the the, the mm-hmm. quarterback took a hit there? It was a little bit. Is it late? Is he right. is he gonna get? Is he gonna get call for you know uh, put, putting the majority of his body weight on top of the quarterback? Like I'm looking for flags at the line of scrimmage where the guy got his release. Did anybody grab? Did was there a holding call? Was there like I'm constantly looking. I'm looking for the the yellow hanky. Like I it it has. To me, it's one of the biggest issues that the NFL faces is that we can't enjoy. Mm-hmm. Your guys how many Chief fans? It. How many Chief fans do you think jumped out of their chairs, couches, and started celebrating when that Brady pass was intercepted? Oh yeah, and then it was all of a sudden, up oh, flag. No. D Ford D. was Ford was offside. offside. Right. I, I'm so whether it's that. Oh wait a minute. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Was there a flag? And then, oh, oh, hold on, hold on! I got to see the replay. Did he? Did he? Did his feet come down in bounds? Right. So you're right. The spontaneous celebration as a football fan is gone. You, you score a touchdown now. What do you do? You wait. 
you wait for the instant replay. Yeah. So I, that that's the kind of stuff. If you could eliminate me looking every play for a flag, that would really that would really help entice or in in entice or or um, create more enjoyment out of watching the game. See, <laughs> I don't. I just don't think we're going to come to an agreement on this because while I lose some of that spontaneity, mm-hmm. um, I'd 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 rather give up that spontaneity and and be able to see a play where the team I'm rooting against, their guy is all of a sudden celebrating, and then I see the replay, mm-hmm. and I see, oh, he didn't get his foot, that second foot down. Right. That one's coming back, and yeah. replay's going to get it right, and my team's going to benefit. So I think at the end of the day, I'd rather give up my spontaneity and have things be right. Yeah, having things would be, like, again, I always go back to the player in me. Having things right would be great, but things are never right. So, just like, I'm like, let's go back to the wild, wild west. You yeah, know, that's yeah. How I get. I just get to the point where, like, when I first came in the league, I just felt like the referees were more demonstrative. They were like, like, they're coached now, the refs are coached now to, hey, if there's any question, just let replay sort it out. And I think you create a generation of refs that are in less control of the game. And I, I think their jobs are incredibly hard. And I think replay makes it that much more difficult. But, you know, but the I respect mean, I have for you as players is, is through the roof. But is it about 22 guys out there who understand, you know, that the game is the game and these things aren't perfect? Or is it the 50 million Watching it on TV, going, wait a minute. Yeah, my team. My TV just showed the replay, and that's wrong. Yeah, get it right. Yeah, no, I get. I mean, I get it. I understand why we do it. Um, and you know, I understand that it's not perfect. It's not going to solve every situation. I don't know. I guess maybe there's part of me that's just nostalgic about uh, kind of the the frontier justice that used to exist in the league. Like, there's no more peelback blocks. Like, I was having this conversation with a buddy of mine that played here in Denver, Dave Wyman, who does a show in Seattle now. He's a Seattle Seahawks. He's a Denver Bronco. And we were talking about it. And, like, we were reminiscing on air about, you know, about getting just lit up on peelback blocks. And we were both the same. We're like, yeah, when I got lit up on a peelback block, I thought, one, all right, you got me. Like, I kind of deserved it. And two, you know, and two, like, I'm the dumbass that didn't have my head on a swivel, right? <laughs> like, like, I... And and so again, it's more that kind of responsibility aspect of, like, of getting just destroyed. But even as the fan, though, the the fan had I I have that same feeling of nostalgia when it I'd watch a game, and it and we'd watch and be like, oh, the ump got it wrong, kill the ump, but everybody just agreed that it was a bad call, and mm-hmm. shoot, it didn't work out. That guy stinks. But we moved on. Right. But once you brought replay into play, the genie was left let out of the yeah. bottle, and you can't put him back. And there's so many, you know, there's so many of those replays. When we get into high def, super slow motion, you know, frame by frame, um, it's really unfair to the officials. Sure. Of how quickly a lot of that stuff happens. I get the reason for doing it, Mike. I mean, you know, I'm not 
always 100%, you know, I'm an old guy, get off my lawn type of thing. I get the reason that you have to do it. I guess sometimes I just look at the inconsistencies, um, and that's probably more than anything what bothers me ab- about the whole, you know, the whole system. Uh, listen, they're a lot smarter than me. They got a lot more money than I got. I get it, but you know, I just it's gonna be fascinating. You're right. We this this might this this might only be the top of the slippery slope. Hey, maybe they just start swallowing their whistles and they don't call anything, which I'm okay with. Just quit calling everything, and then it comes up to the like. Well, at some point, we're not going to need officials, right? If you're just going to let replay officiate the game, like don't call anything and just let the coaches throw flags on things they don't like. I mean, that's kind of what you're getting to. Yeah. Um, but, you know, maybe it will create a situation where the refs are like told, hey, listen, just let it go and um, we'll let replay figure it out. And if the coaches want to challenge it, they're going to challenge it. Exactly. Unless it's egregious. Yep. So if it eliminates some of the ticky-tack crap that we have to watch every Sunday, then I'm like, good. But, again, what else does it open up? We shall see. Slippery slope indeed. Yeah. All right, man, for everybody involved in the Stinky Truth Podcast, I wanted to say thank you to our presenting sponsor, Core Water. Thank you so much. HydrateWithCore.com to find out more information there. From Mike, myself, Scott, uh, we'll be back with you guys later on.